Welcome to the Allegrativity Powercast with Allegra Sinclair. Get ready to punch fear in the throat, show up, and tell your story. Allegra Sinclair is here to help you become the powerful woman you are meant to be. It's finally time to get unstuck and reveal how fabulous you are. And it's time for your host, Allegra Sinclair. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of the PowerCast. I am, aren't I always excited? I am always excited about my guests because if I'm not excited about them, why on earth would I have them on here? However, having said that, today's podcast is going to be like no other. (laughs) My coach today is so darn sassy. It's just hard to categorize, describe. It's just hard to keep her to one piece of paper. I mean, everything about her, her big corpuscles just pop on off the paper and make you excited to hear more from her. So today I'm going to be speaking with Coach Jenny. Her real name obviously is not Coach Jenny. It's Jenny Mustafa Julak. But she is an awesome audacity coach. Now, I know what you're thinking because it was my first thought. What the pudding is an audacity coach? (laughs) Well, what she does is she works with people who have ambitious dreams and goals. So they know that they're destined for more and they want more, but they just need a dose of um, spunk or grit in order to pull those things off. So there are obviously roads blocks and obstacles when you're trying to do something big, right? New level, new devil. But when these things pop up left and right, you sometimes need a hand to get over them and stay focused on your goal. And that's where Coach Jenny comes in. Now, she's um, very unique in that she doesn't subscribe to like the gentle encouragement coaching um, perspective. She call, I love it. Her signature move is a cathartic shove that gets you unstuck and unstoppable. That's just so delicious. It should have chocolate and cherries on it. <laughs> but she's on a mission to instigate audacity in as many humans as possible. She runs an awesome online community called the Audacity Lab, but we're really excited because in just a couple of weeks, you'll have an opportunity to attend um, her. Is this your first? Yes, your first yes. unconference of badassery to be held in May in New York City called Audacity Camp. So if there's um, one sentence that sums her up, Coach Jenny helps individuals on the brink of something spectacular bust through obstacles, and astonish the heck out of themselves. I can't stand it. Welcome, Coach Jenny. I can't believe I have to live up to that um, <laughs> introduction. But Allegra, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. You are very welcome. I think um, in the short conversations that we have had, I am quite confident that you're going to live up to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That you're going to live up to all that. So first out of the gate, why audacity? Now, not why audacity. I mean, I know why you want audacity in people, but the particular word fascinates me because there are a lot of sassy words you could use, right? So what about audacity in particular fascinated you? Oh, great question to start with. You know, I went to a speaking event in 2004 and I listened to a man named Steve Farber and Steve Farber has since become a mentor of mine. But at the time, I didn't know who the heck this dude was. And he's, he was up on the stage and he shared his definition for audacity. And he says it's a bold and blatant disregard for normal constraints. Mm. Oh, right? Mm -hmm. I love that. Instantly, I connected with the concept of audacity. I have never once fit within normal constraints, (laughs) right? You're like, these are my my people. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. I always felt like, 
You remember that like cartoon movie from Christmas time with the land of misfit toys? I do. I totally am a misfit toy. I never really fit in. I always wanted more. I was easily bored as a kid by the status quo and didn't really fit in pretty much anywhere. And I could never quite figure out what it was. It wasn't that I was just weird, although I am a little weird. It was that (laughs) I just wanted more than the average Joe or Joanna. I wanted more out of life. I wanted to do more. I wanted to make a bigger impact. I just wanted life to be richer. And I wanted to lead my life with the volume turned all the way up. But Mm. that's not so socially acceptable, right? Most people who have the volume turned all the way up are weird. Yes, they have other labels. I, was about to say. I um, talked However, a couple weeks ago about the fleek, the freak flag. So yes, yeah, they are odd. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But when you stop and think about it, the most successful people in the world, the ones who we quote and post Pinterest quotes of mm-hmm. are audacious, right? Nobody yeah. can tell me that Oprah isn't audacious. Steve True. Jobs wasn't mm-hmm. audacious. Mm-hmm. These are people who believe that they were put on the earth to do a little more than the average Joe or Joanna. They are living their lives with the volume turned all the way up. And I wanted to connect myself because I connected with that concept so much. I wanted to connect myself and my work with that idea. I also love that the word audacity on its own typically rubs you the wrong way. A lot of people misconstrue it for arrogance. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm not the arrogance coach. (laughs) I'm the audacity coach. I'm all about you figuring out what it is that makes you tick and stop muting it, but turn it up. Oh my gosh. I am so in love with that. It's funny because when I was younger, you know how, well, I won't say everybody, but I know when I was growing up in Little Kendall Park, New Jersey, and I was hanging out with other, you know, lost little girls, their fear was that they wouldn't be enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And my fear was always that I would be too much. <laughs> right. Yes. So I was like, and I remember maybe that was a phrase. I don't know if that's like um, a cultural thing or a Jamaican thing or a Southern thing, but I always remember thinking to myself, oh, I better not say that. That will be too much. Yes. All right. I better not sing as loud because that will be too much. So it's fascinating to think about because my little, you know, sixth grade mind didn't conceive that, hey, maybe I'm a little audacious. <laughs> Right, because I just thought I was weird. No, in sixth grade, your goal in life is to fit in and to be loved and be popular Mm -hmm. and all Mm -hmm. those different things, right? That's Mm -hmm. just human nature. Mm -hmm. But at some point, that goes away and you want to make a bigger impact. You want to make a movement. You want to change the world in some small way or big way based on who you are and what you have to contribute to this world. You have a bold and blatant disregard for the normal constraints that tell you you're supposed to fit into this box and be happy with this job that gets you to the next docket and whatever. You're supposed to want those things, but you don't. At some point, the people I work with decide to quit fighting that battle and grab onto their audacity and run with it. So I heard you say that when you were younger, you always felt a pull to be more. You were, um, I tell people all this time, she is a substantial woman. I told, <laughs> um, I have a young cousin. Is he 20? He might be 20 now. And we were at a family function and this young girl walked in and he's like, yeah, I'm interested in her. And I was like, her? Oh no, this is a substantial chick over here. You have got to up your game. <laughs> if you want to go from where you are to over here, honey, we'll help you. But there is a gap <laughs> that we need to close. So have you always known that you were like this audacious, substantial person who was Um, meant to be and give more? Or did you have some sort of um, inciting incident that kind of woke up your inner audacity, coach? 
Oh my gosh. I love this question. It really, I'm going to try not to get emotional because it hits me in a place. I definitely, I definitely have an inciting incident and her name is Debbie. Okay. (laughs) So I blame Debbie for everything you're hearing people. So Debbie, (laughs) Debbie is my big sister and she's my big sister from the program, the community program, big brothers and big sisters of America. I'm sure you've heard of it. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a mentorship program for kids who are disadvantaged and um, come from one-parent homes, um, who has a working parent and doesn't have a whole lot of supervision. And um, Debbie and I were matched. That's the word they use. We were matched when I was 14 years old. When I was 14, I was a smart kid. I did well in school, but my goals in life were not to get beat up on the way home. You know, we grew up really poor, and, and I wanted to be more and I wanted to be impressive and I wanted to be important, but I didn't know how I was going to do that. You know, my family got pregnant by 16. Like that's what we did. Right. And I knew I didn't want that, but I didn't know what I really wanted. And Debbie was so amazing at helping me find my own voice, find my own path by simply exposing me to every sort of outside of the box experience she can imagine. And so my moment was when I was 14 years old, Debbie picks me up and she says, we're going to a poetry reading. Now you got to (laughs) understand. Sorry. I shouldn't assume the giggle. Tell us, Coach Jenny. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Okay. Like a poetry reading, you know, you're out of your mind, lady. And she's like, don't worry. After poetry, we're going out for Italian food. So I was in it for the Italian food. Okay. But the poet we saw was at the University of Florida, and her name was Maya Angelou. Shut the front door. Yes. Okay. So I'm 14, and I'm sitting in the balcony with my ear glued to every word that's dripping out of Maya Angelou's mouth. And if you've never heard her speak, watch some YouTube videos and see if you don't cry. That's all I'm saying. I saw her in person here in Raleigh a couple years ago, and the very memory of it still gives me goosebumps. The minute she walked on the stage, before she even said a word, I was screaming in near tears. (laughs) Right. And I didn't know who this was. I was this teenage punk kid Mm -hmm. who was just in it for the Italian food, listening to this amazing woman and telling her story and talking about what she had been through. I thought, what am I whining about? Sure, we don't have a lot of money. And sure, I don't have a lot of examples of what to do with my life when I grow up. Um, my parents did the best they could. They're good people. But, you know, it, I didn't know where I was going. But suddenly just seeing this woman find a way to communicate to the world this beautiful story and her message, knowing a little bit about her story, I realized that all my excuses were BS. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of none of the things that I was holding on to and all these stories I was holding on to that were keeping me stuck in my situation were not going to be good enough. And that I I had to give back to my Angelo for telling her story. And so her poem, Phenomenal Woman, mm-hmm. became like a song to me that I played over and over in my head so that it would get me out of poverty, bootstrap myself, go on to college, go on to grad school and make something out of myself. And most importantly, find a way to pay it forward. And that's why I do the work that I do. And that's why it's sassy (laughs) because between Debbie and Maya's phenomenal woman, um, my, my stuff is sassy. That is show-stopping, the story in and of itself. So there was so much good stuff in that. And I'm always like interrupting my guests and going, oh, my gosh, that was tweetable. (laughs) And I'm like, can you tweet a whole paragraph? Dang it. Can we get the 140 character limit extended? (laughs) One of the most breathtaking things from what you just shared was 
the realization that you had that all of the excuses that you're using weren't going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. That is epic. Yeah, because we I mean, give our fears or our insecurities or whatever our stuff is, because everybody's stuff is different, right? I look at your stuff and I'm like, that would stop you. But you look at my stuff and you think that would stop you. But that concept that whatever that thing is, isn't enough. Oh my gosh, that is epic. Exactly. I mean, the key there is that you know, we, we grow up and we're part of this world and we see what we can see, right? We only are exposed to what we're exposed to. And we start our life out with a bunch of possibilities. You're in kindergarten and somebody asks you what you want to be. My answer was astronaut. But by the time I'm seeing my Angelo, I haven't taken a science class seriously for years, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that the fact that we started limiting ourselves more and more and more um, is suffocating. And just not good enough. And that's why it never really fit with me. And as soon as I realized, and I had that kind of pivotal moment of realizing that my excuses were just that, excuses. They weren't, they were stories I had made up. They were true stories of the people around me. And I understood like that my family didn't have this audacity thing that I had, even though I didn't have a name for it, right? Mm -hmm. But I now knew somebody. I knew Debbie. And I knew, in my mind, I knew Maya, like she did me, right? <laughs> yes, we I all knew, owned her. Right. I knew mm-hmm. these these two amazing women who had drawn their own path and followed it, whatever that looked like for them. And they inspired me. And I wanted to do that same thing. And I think everybody has a piece of that story. There's just so few of us that are willing to take action with it. And so that's why I've devoted myself to coaching, because I help people not only have that wake up call, but that wake up call, if you, if that's all you have and that's where you leave it, your life is worse, right? Yes. Because, now because you know once you're aware, be. you can't mm-hmm. be unaware again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you don't actually build the confidence that you need and most importantly, develop the tenacity, the grit to never give up, um, then you're not actually improving your life. You're making yourself suffer. And that ain't good enough. That is not cute. I think the other big part of um, your story for me was we often look for, and I rant a lot about reality TV, and it's not that I think I'm like too highbrow to watch silly television because I love the Cleveland show. <laughs> and I love, I'm trying to think of, another, I love Bob's Burgers. So it's not that I think all TV has to be like masterpiece theater, but I think... If you don't have an innate curiosity, you have a responsibility to try to expose yourself to some other stuff. Mm -hmm. So what you said was, I'm not blaming anybody around me for doing, behaving, thinking, seeing the world the way they do, because this is all we have seen and this is all we know. Mm -hmm. So Debbie is beyond amazing that she thought to herself, well, it's not like I can um, change this child's life by taking her out for um, Italian food. But what I can do is expose her to some things that she might not otherwise be exposed to. Exactly. Which probably ignited in you um, a desire to check out other stuff. Exactly. It opened me up to things. And and she exposed me to some stuff that I just, I make fun of her to this day. I'm like, Debbie... (laughs) Sufi dancing. What were we doing? You know, like that. Exactly. It's goofy. It's goofy stuff. It's very, very woo woo stuff that I'm not about. But all of those experiences were so important to me because they helped me to see possibility. And that's what Debbie's 
all about to me is she taught me to embrace the concept of possibility and to always be looking for it. And I thank her for that. Debbie, if you're listening, I love you. I hope she's listening. We'll give you the MP3. You can send it to her. I will. I think um, there are so many people who poured into my life. You know that old thing about how it takes a village? Forget a village. It takes like <laughs> it takes like an entire zip code. It takes a hemisphere. <laughs> it takes a lot of people. I'm sorry. I'm a substantial chick. It took a lot of people pouring in me at different points at several different places in ways I didn't expect for me to become the chick I am right now, right? Mm-hmm. So I just wish that... I had had the presence of mind when they were pouring on me to recognize what was happening. So I could have told them in that moment how much I appreciated it. So, um, yes, I absolutely understand the desire to, if Debbie's hearing it, let her know mm-hmm. that she, um, absolutely changed your life. I, um, dig that a lot. So, um, I love that. So one of the things that I was thinking about was I talked to a lot of other coaches and I think coaches are, um, unusual in that, in that, well, maybe it's just the ones I know we're so comfortable in our spot. We don't have issues talking to other people who do the same kind of work, right? So right. I don't see like dentists share with other dentists, <laughs> <laughs> right? Or I don't see, you know, maybe like chiropractors exchanging information. But I, the community of like coaches who I know are so comfortable in what it is that they bring that they're just excited about what other people bring and kind of how they show up and what their story is. So tell me some of the things um, that as you've worked with them, delight you. So what are some of the things that you have discovered in working with women who are on the cusp of doing something just ridiculous that <laughs> excites you? I was going to say redonkulous because I heard that on TV last night, but it's probably so old a reference. I shouldn't say it. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't, I don't even know where that started, but yes, um, my, my clients are ridiculous. They are, um, so inspiring and challenging and, and they really blow my mind. I was actually talking recently to somebody and they were like, how do you choose which clients you invite into your business? Cause I do, I have an invite only kind of uh, coaching practice. I'm very snotty like that because I like to work with people oh, that rock snotty. my world. How about um, selective? Oh, selective. That's the nice word, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yes, I like to work with people who are interested in doing something I've never imagined. Ooh, that okay. blows my mind. I, I I really enjoy doing that. But I also enjoy working with people who find ways to take ordinary, everyday kind of experiences and make those epic. So I think what surprises me is that I typically am looking around and, and you get excited by somebody who wants to, I don't know, quit their job and go work on a transcontinental cruise ship true story and, um, help people as their entertainment director. Wow. I find that fascinating, right? That's fascinating just by its little bullet point. Right. But it's also amazing to work with somebody who says, you know what? I just want my side hustle to always be a side hustle, but to inspire me and to be something that constantly fills me with joy and never becomes a chore. That's audacious, right? How many people do you know are work and coaches are working with people who are working on a side hustle so that that side hustle can become their full-time job and the entire time they're working on it, it's this big, massive chore. Yes, because they approach it with, in my world, right? So most of the folks are current employees, but they want to be entrepreneurial, but they (laughs) are approaching their business. I love side hustle. They're approaching their hustle with an employee mindset. Yep. So they're just trading their terrible situation. Their um their landscape is going to change, <laughs> but their experience isn't. 
Well, and here's the thing. Their experience is going to get worse because in many of those cases, they are trying to escape working for the man, the boss, the whatever. Right. right. And it turns out they're kind of a crappy boss, too. <laughs> right? The individual, like, yes. <laughs> like My favorite with, thing is, yes, you can keep running from job to job, but guess what? In every single job you run to, you're still going to be there. <laughs> Right. And so in my experience, a lot of my clients who are working on businesses and side hustles, they are terrific employees for their business. They work 16, 18 hours on their business. Yes. But then their boss, which is the same person, Mm -hmm. is pretty cruel, right? It wasn't good enough. You didn't do it fast enough. You didn't do it smart enough. Yep. And so I help people get out of that nasty cycle. And what's so fascinating is watching when somebody gets out of their own way and sees how much more they can do. I have a client who says, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm sorry if I don't get this right, but she talks about how she likes to strain her potential until it cries for mercy. (laughs) And that is, that really sums it up, right? These Mm -hmm. are people who are like me extremely uncomfortable being comfortable and they're always pushing themselves to do more and to, to really dig into that potential and see what they're made of. So what um, inspired you to want to put all these people in one place? I'm just thinking of all these balls of lightning and fire. (laughs) What, What possessed you to gather them all together in a camp? Yeah, that's pretty nuts, right? Okay, so first of all, I want to be very clear. Audacity Camp is not a camp. There's no tents. <laughs> there's no cabins. Yes. It's not like that. And it's using the word camp in the way it's used with um, unconferencing. Now, Allegra, have you ever been to an unconference? I don't think so. I have heard of that. There was a podcasting mm-hmm. unconference. They were trying to get off the ground, oddly enough, in Ohio about a year ago, but they kind of never got any traction with it. So I go to lots of word camps, um, which some people might call an unconference, but I know it is not. Yeah, the word camp is often used for unconference, and that's why I'm using that word. I think it works really well. But an unconference is like the anti-conference. Most conferences that I've been to and you've been to are shall we say boring? <laughs> like you go to these <laughs> you can say boring. You go to these conferences and you listen to master of the universe after master of the universe, get up on a stage and prepare the perfect 18 minute presentation. And you sit in your seat and soak it in like a drone and you leave feeling like, wow, I could have done that from, you know, my, in my pajamas on a screen because I didn't really connect with people. And I certainly don't feel like I contributed. Okay. I attended but I didn't participate. Okay. Audacity Camp in an unconference is participant driven. There is no sitting on the sidelines. I am not going to be standing at the front of the stage somewhere telling you why I'm the master of the universe and you need to be next. I can't go to another one of those conferences (laughs) and I sure as heck cannot host one. The idea of an unconference is that the agenda and the discussions are driven by who shows up, who's in that room. So whoever shows up is who's supposed to be there and whatever happens is what's going to freaking happen, period. So you come to this, to Audacity Camp and yes, the overall overall umbrella is Audacity. But what we talk about depends on who is there and what they feel like talking about. And there are no speakers at this event, save me, right? There are no speakers that are going to get up and give a keynote on whatever topic you throw out. We're going to have discussions. 
You're going to drive these conversations, participate in the ones that feel good to you, leave when you need to leave and go talk at a different conversation and really see what we come up with. My point is at Audacity Camp, I want to start a conversation and it, I want to start a conversation that disrupt, disrupts the status quo of self-improvement. I'm tired of listening to what I should do and what I'm supposed to do by somebody who's put it together in a fun little acronym. I want to actually learn from each other. And in my Audacity Lab, which is an online version of this, we've been doing this for almost two years. I can't wait to see what happens when we're all doing it for one day under one together. roof. There is <laughs> magic about being in the same physical space. It's fascinating as I'm listening to you talk about it, because mm-hmm. in essence, what we're talking about is the purpose of the conference, but not just the purpose, but what you actually have hope to have happen at the end or as a result of it. And I don't think people who put on regular conferences think about that. Right. I think they get in a rhythm of Mm -hmm. putting on an annual conference, but I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't know that the people who are organizing like the International Association of Business Communicators Conference, I don't know if they're sitting down thinking, how are these people who attend going to put in action what we talked about. Exactly. That never happens in the conferences I'm invited to. If I'm invited to go as an attendee or as a speaker, um, as a speaker, I'm invited because I'm going to get all of this exposure. That's the fancy word, right? Yes. Get exposure. I don't want exposure. I want to make an impact. <laughs> I don't actually want a bigger list. Uh, that's not what's important to me. I'd rather help instigate audacity in one human and watch the world change than have 50 people join my list by Tuesday. That just doesn't do it for me. That never has. And so I think there are a lot of people like that who want to be a part of this conversation, who have something to say, who have questions for other crazy, audacious people like us, all of us misfit toys, who want to be in the (laughs) same space and learn from each other. I think that's just really important. But I don't want it to just be, hey, let's get together and have a bunch of conversations. And see what happens, right? (laughs) Right? Like, I do want to make sure it's a tangible takeaway because I also want to make sure that I leave knowing what I'm supposed to do based on what I've learned from myself and from others that are there. And I want everybody to have that experience. So at the end of the day, we're going to do what I'm calling a tenacity workshop, which is just the words I have for it because it's hard to describe. But basically, I want to make sure that you walk out with a plan of attack. And it's individualized and you've written it yourself in the moment with everybody right there supporting you and holding you accountable to leveling up and however you're ready to level up. Wow. What's, what space are you having this in? That's a really good question. We are narrowing it down to two spaces right now, but it's going to be in Manhattan and it's going to be in one big room. Okay. Um, I'm sorry I don't have that exact information yet, but I should have it by the time you po- you post this up. I think that um, the reason why I'm, th- I'm very visual, right? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking if you were in, in, um, in New York, I can't think of a place in New York or New Jersey for that matter that's like what I'm about to explain. Oh, I know what I'll use. It's going to be a very different energy if you, like, hold this in a school cafeteria, Mm. (laughs) right? (laughs) So I'm thinking having these people who have been um, kind of living out the lab online in person is going to be magical. But it's also interesting that you're thinking, hey, the space matters, right? Because a lot of people would have just grabbed the first space they could find and been like, okay, check. 
No, the space does matter to me. And I want it to actually be a very New York experience. Um, I don't... (laughs) I don't want people to come to New York. If you're a New York experience, does that mean they'll be buying pretzels off the street? (laughs) Well, no, not like that. But I don't want it to be, um, oh, we're going to some hotel room that looks like a cookie-cutter room with the folded, you know, walls and stuff like that that you could get in Tacoma or wherever the heck you are, you know? Mm -hmm. I want it to be more of a New York-like experience. So right now I'm actually looking at rehearsal spaces that Broadway dancers use and things like that. So cool. So you can actually feel the pulse of New York. That sounds kind of woo-woo for me because I am very woo-woo, but (laughs) I think that part, that matters. And to to feel like you're around audacity matters to me. So um, again, there's a couple of different locations and we're, we're nailing it down now. And we've waited to the last minute because I honestly didn't know if five people were going to show up or 50. And I still don't know exactly how many people are going to show up. And I don't care. <laughs> and that's another reason that a traditional <laughs> conference versus an unconference are different. Right. Right. Again, they're definitely driven by number. They're driven by numbers and I'm driven by impact. I want to make sure whatever happens starts this movement and starts this conversation. And if that's me and 10 cool people, I'm down, whatever it is. I think, um, well, I'm listening to us now as if I'm not participating in the conversation. And I'm thinking, wow, there's so many people who want that impact. Mm -hmm. So it's a month after camp. What's different? Oh, good question. What's what's different is how the conversation in camp shows up in the Audacity Lab. And I have no idea what to expect there. And I kind of love that, right? (laughs) The point of a participant-driven thing is I am not the puppet master. (laughs) I don't have control over what happens and what doesn't happen. But the two outcomes I'm hoping for is that the community conversation is electrified and that these folks now feel like leaders within that community that I have online and can really take that conversation to another level. And two, that each of the individuals walk away feeling like their life has changed in some way and that they've instigated a little more of their audacity. So if those two outcomes happen, I'm successful. Awesome. Well, I'm watching my clock and I'm uh, always being (laughs) respectful of people's time. So um, I just don't want to let you go. So tell me, um, is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure that you share before we wrap up? No, there's nothing in particular I want to share except that anybody who is thinking about working with a coach, because you work with so many coaches and you can listen to Allegra's show and and hear so many different perspectives from so many different coaches. Um, I think it's really exciting, Allegra, that you are having these dialogues and and letting people see kind of behind the curtain of some of our crazy, because coaches, (laughs) let's be real, we're nuts. You meet somebody, you meet somebody at a cocktail party and they're like, hi, I'm a life coach. And you're thinking, I don't know how to talk to you. Right. <laughs> I know, you know, you are, you know, you are, uh, this is it's your kind oppor- of like, if you meet a policeman, you don't yeah. know what to say. You're thinking, I'm not oh, sure man. <laughs> I have a ticket. Right. Exactly. Yes. You're not yes. really sure how to say, how to talk to them. Right. I love that you're allowing these conversations to happen. And if you're out there listening to this thinking, I really want to talk to a life coach, but I'm terrified because I'm terrified they're going to pull the curtain back and unveil parts of me that I'm not really ready to address yet. If any of that fear is hanging on to you, go through these lists, listen to these different ones, and whoever is speaking the language that you get and you're thinking, okay, I 
I'm totally audacious. I want to talk to that crazy Jenny lady or that woman scares the heck out of me, but I want to talk to this lady who does the gentle thing, Right. you know, right. It, whoever is resonating with you, pick up the phone and call them because it can change your life. And if it changes your life, it changes the world. So that's my plug. I love that. Wow. That's a powerful rap. Thank you. I try. <laughs> Did I live up to it? I had to live up to so much in the beginning. You did. It was so awesome. I I just can't. Thank you just doesn't feel like enough. Thank you so much for being here. I will put um, links to all the good stuff we talked about, both your site and Audacity Lab and Audacity Camp. Um, I will put all of that good stuff in our show notes. Um, I would love to hear how it goes. Oh, definitely. Um, So um, I won't put you on the spot. But no, um, I will I will tell you that, you know, there will always be room on the calendar. <laughs> we can make room in the schedule because I am uh, I'm fascinated by kindred spirits. Right. So for those who kind of want to show up more and be more, not just so that we can be more, but so that other people can be more. So I tease people all the time. They're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a professional encourager. Mm, and that I makes like people that. comfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. But they just don't know what that looks like. <laughs> Exactly. Because many well, people have I, never had anyone encourage them. Exactly. And in, with that analogy, I would be a professional cathartic shover because uh, I'm not terribly encouraging. I more like push you out there before you're ready. Um, and I think that's really good. And I think there's room in this world for both styles and you have to know what style is going to really inspire and motivate you and um, and surround yourself with that kind of energy. So. I'm really that. excited. Allegra, I'd, I'd be happy to come back and give you an update on how it goes. And thank you so much for inviting me to talk about Audacity and Audacity Camp. You are very welcome. It was my pleasure. How awesome was that? Thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Coach Jenny. But I did want to make sure that I reiterated the dates. Her Audacity Camp is happening the first weekend in May. So there's a pre-conference meet and greet on Friday, May 1st, but the conference is all day on Saturday, May 2nd location uh, to be communicated shortly. So that's Saturday, May 2nd, all day. And then on Sunday, there is a post-conference Sunday in the park activity. So wanted to make sure that we didn't lose that in our uh, spirited conversation. Thanks so much. I'll catch you next time. Now you've been given permission to be more powerful and influence more people. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to AllegraSinclair.com slash iTunes and leave a review. It will help Allegra get the message out to more women that they can punch fear in the throat, show up, and tell their stories. We'll see you next time on the Allegrativity Powercast with Allegra Sinclair.